Hallelujah, Jesus reigns. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, brothers and sisters, saints of God. You and I may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And one thing that we can guarantee, thank you, my brother, is that we will be praising God. Amen? I don't know what the world's going to do. I don't know what gas prices are going to do. But I know I will be praising Jesus. Come on, get that keyboarder up here for me, please. I know. Look at your neighbor and say, I know. Woo! I know. I know. I will be praising Jesus. I don't know what gas prices might be. I don't know who's going to be president. I don't know how the election's going to go. I don't know what traffic going to be like. I don't even know what my bank account going to be like. But I know I'll be praising my Jesus. I said I'll be praising my Jesus in the morning when I rise. I will praise Jesus in the middle of the day when things go tough. I will keep my eyes on Jesus in the middle of the day when the customers don't like me, when my boss don't like me. I will praise Jesus. I will praise Jesus. If you love him, praise him now. Be seated if you can. Thank you, my brother. You get a raise. I will be praising Jesus. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to say about me. I don't know if people are going to like me or hate me or stick with me or leave me. But I will praise Jesus. You better make a decision to praise Jesus this year. You better make a decision that no matter what happens, I will be praising Jesus. There's a reason we put it in our name, Metro Praise, because we will be a city of praise. You can't let anybody take your praise. You can't let the world take your praise. You can't let the enemy take your praise. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. This joy that I have, the bank account didn't give it, and it can't take it away. On good days, on bad days, I've got joy full of glory, unspeakable, flowing through me like a river. Woo! Hallelujah! I came to church to encourage myself and somebody else. Amen? Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. That's the title of today's message. Been confirmed by the worship in the word. Stay close to him, brothers and sisters. I've been through so many things. Now, as an older man, I used to be young serving Jesus, but now I'm old. Somebody say he's old. Older people in here like, you're not so old. You're still young. I know, I know. Speak faith. But listen, I've been through enough to know he won't leave me. 
I've been through enough to know, listen to me, that no matter how dark it gets, he's still the morning star. He still shines bright in the morning of the night. It doesn't matter how deep the valley goes. There's still a lily in the valley. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how many people leave me. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It doesn't matter how many enemies rise up against me. I know I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. I've been through enough to understand this is the way it is. 45 years, I turn 46 next year. Will you all pray for me that I can make it to 90 halfway through the journey? And I'm already thinking to myself, this, this life, man, it doesn't really have so many new tricks. Once you've seen a, enough of it, you've seen it all. Same faces, you know, different places, different, uh, same places, different faces. It's all the same thing, just repeated over and over and over again. But brothers and sisters, God is fresh and new every single morning. Even though people will do the same old, same old, the devil's going to try the same old, same old. All of this a world and it's, you know, the rumors of wars and all of this. Mount my brothers and sisters, that's always going to be there. But Jesus and his mercies are new every single morning. If you get up and you spend time with God and you start praying and you seek his face, he'll do for you what nothing in this world can do. The depths of his love, the depths of his mercy, the the infinite knowledge and wisdom that he gives is unspeakable. You can't even put it into words. It is infinite. That's the only word we can use. It is never ending. And brothers and sisters, you got to stay close to him because today's message is about Judas, that one who betrayed Jesus. Do you see why in my spirit today, I'm just so just adamant about praising it because I don't want to be a Judas. I don't want to be a Judas. And yet there is a possibility that if Judas could leave Jesus, I could leave Jesus. And yet he didn't know the consequences of what that betrayal would lead him to. To suicide, to death, destruction. He thought at that time, whatever reason he had in his head, we can only guess. He thought at that time that was the best decision. And yet it wasn't. And I know, brothers and sisters, I start this year off every year with people in church. And by the end of the year, you're not here. Some of the people aren't here anymore. And I know that they all didn't just go to another church. It's because they stopped serving Jesus. And now I know if I could put a reality camera in their bedroom, not be gross, but see what their life is like, follow them around for a little bit, I would see that they're on the spiritual destruction. They, they, they hung their purpose They killed their destiny. And if the Lord doesn't tarry and if they uh, don't repent, they're going to go to hell. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to make a decision. I will praise Jesus. I will stay close to him. I will stay close to him. I've met him. I've known him. I've walked with him long enough to know what he's like. And there's nobody else like Jesus. There's nobody else like my Jesus. I'm just telling you this right now, brothers and sisters. There's nobody like my Jesus. I've been having to study cults for my class. And this last weekend, I had to study the most grossest of them. And yet they are the most deceiving right now. And that's this new age Eastern religion. You know, these gurus and these uh, new cults that rise up where they say God is in everybody. You know, Oprah Winfrey. 
Winfrey type stuff and you just find the inner God and inner self. My friend, some of these websites had 18-year-old restrictions on them because they're so perverted. All they become on one side is sex cults. On the other side, they starve each other. They, they live out in the middle of the desert. They beat their bodies. They roll on the ground to try to get closer to their God. They speak gibberish. One of them, instead of getting baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, they have a meditation where they just speak gibberish to each other. My friends, the devil's a liar. And yet in our generation, people are being deceived not to follow Jesus, but to follow somebody else, your co-workers, your friends, people in this community. I met a woman that she was attending another church. We met her on the street. She said, oh, your church is closer. So she started coming to our church and we were discipling her. Somebody say discipleship. Because this wouldn't have come out unless you were doing discipleship. And as we started uh, discipling her, we found out she was in one of those cults. It was called Sant Mat, S-A-N-T-M-A-T. She was in one of these cults, uh, following a guru, doing the meditation. And I said, how long have you been a Christian? Well, I've been a Christian almost all my life. How long have you been going to this church? It was a good church down the road. Oh, I've been going to that church for years. And I said, and you still do this? Oh, she said, it's not really as bad as you think. Somebody say, pastor cares. See, I called up that cult, and I asked them my questions. I said, first of all, y'all do more than just yoga, because yoga can be stretches. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, a guru don't own this. We call it the, you could call it the crooked chicken, but you could stretch as much as you want. But I said, y'all do more than just stretching, right? This is not just yoga to stretch. Y'all teaching mantras. You're teaching religious doctrine. You're having people go on retreats and learn things. And they said, oh, yes, that's what we do. We're a whole system. They were proud of it. And yet she was just trying to say it was the, the yoga. And then I said, this guy in charge, whatever his name is, I think last name Singh. I said, whatever this guy is right here, this guy in charge. I said, is he like a Jesus figure to you? Do you think he's Jesus? And she full on said, oh yeah. Just like Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago, that's who this one is for us right here. I said, can you believe I got a Christian going to that thing? And, and she don't know anybody. And the woman on the phone, God as my witness, said right back to me, I'm a Christian too. You see, that's what Christianity has become in this world. No dedication, no love for God. She's an idol worshiper. So was the other woman. I told that woman that she never came back to the church. Somebody say, God have mercy. See, you need to hear what Brother Juan said today. You better cry out today, God have mercy. Because there are things you don't know. Come on, somebody. And if somebody tells you the truth, you better cry out, say, God have mercy, instead of try to hide it. And so today I want to tell you that the world is deceived by these things. They want to run after these things. But there isn't another real Jesus. There's a bunch of fake Jesuses, but there's only one Jesus. There's only one Son of God who was born of the Virgin Mary. Come on, somebody. We just celebrate Christmas. Lived a sinless life. Was not like these wretched, wicked, selfish, greedy, perverted sinners. And died on a cross and rose again from the dead. That's the Jesus that I serve. That's the one and only. And yet people today will betray that Jesus. Walk away from that Jesus. Think they're going to get a better deal on another Jesus, which is a cheap imitation that leads to damnation. John chapter 3 verse, uh, John chapter 13 verse 18. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Listen to this sad story, but learn something about it and get in your heart, I'm staying with Jesus. What I love about Christianity is there's no onions, uh, you know, like peeling back to get to the center of it. Oh, you know, I've been a Christian 20 years and I just found this out that, uh, you know, uh, they believe when they die, they become polygamous. That's like Mormonism. These people fall into it. And then years later, they find out, oh man, they believe in polygamy. Oh, they still do this. They still, oh, they're going to baptize for the dead. They're going to do all these uh, Masonic rituals. See, what I love 
love about Christianity is this is it. This is as basic as it gets, but it can rock your world for the rest of your life. Can I hear an amen? I don't have to make up secret ceremonies. I don't need to do a bunch of rituals. All I need to do is learn this and believe this, and this will be the foundation of a good life. Amen. This will be a lamp unto my feet. I will never regret going deep into the depths of this. And so what we just have to think about is what, what is here, what is before us. What, what do we already know about this Jesus according to the book of John? He's been there in the beginning. He's the word. He's with God. He's there as the creator. He's created thing. Everything has come through him. Nothing has been made that hasn't been made by him. What do we know about him? He came into flesh. He lived a sinless life. He did miracles like nobody else could do. On the spot, raising people from the dead, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. In historical context, not in mythology, in historical story in history, his story. Somebody say his story. Amen. In real history, his story. And now we get to this point to the last supper. He's washing the disciples' feet. He's a servant. He's not trying to use what he has to get authority over people, to be like a guru, to be hoisted on their shoulders. He's doing it to serve them. He's not abusing his authority. He's actually giving it up so he can be just like them. Come on, somebody say, lay it down. He lays down his pride so that he can serve others, and that's a word for all of us. Now, at this point, he is going to talk about the one that's going to betray him. He says, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. Somebody say, turned against me. I'm going to give you some practicals today about when people turn against you. But before we go there, we need some good theology. This is teaching us that the Son of God has had a person turn against him. Verse 19, I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. As you have gone through the book of John with me, what is Jesus referring to when he calls himself the I am? Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, just to see if that's the right context. Sometimes people try to be slick, and they're saying, well, when Jesus says, I am, in that way, that's no different than other places in the Bible when somebody says, I am. And we're like, hold on, hold on. We're not saying the words like the literal letter I and then the word am is sacred in that sense. We're not trying to say that anybody who says, I am, like, you hungry? I am. Like, you just said you were God. That's not what we as Christians are saying. But people try to make that as our argument. They make it a straw man instead of a steel man. They can't take on the real argument, so they make up a fake argument so they can slap it around. But that's not the real argument. Our argument isn't because Jesus just utters the Greek words, ego am I. That means now that he's God. That's not what we're saying. Ego meaning I and, and, and emi meaning I am or am. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is when he says I am, there's a reason to why he just said that. In this context, before he said, I am that I am, what did he just say? I know everything that's happening. Didn't he just say that? Please go back to the context of John just to check me right here. What is he saying? Verse 19, I am telling you now before it happens, I know the future. That's what he's saying. Now, please go to Isaiah. Now, here we have in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, Yahweh speaking, the I am of the Bible, the one that Moses met at the burning bush. He said, I make known the end from where? The beginning, from ancient times, which is still to come. That's what he does. 
Now do you understand when you go back to John, please go to that context, when he says, I know what's going to happen. I'm telling you these things that you may believe what? That I am who I am. Now it's special. Now that's different than you just saying, I'm hungry. You know, would you want something to eat? Or you, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. No, that's different than this. This man just said, I know everything that's going to happen. I'm telling you now so you can know something about me, that you can believe something about me. And what are you supposed to believe? That he is the I am. He literally put it in the sentence. I want you to believe this about me. That's the revelation that he's making. Verse 20. Well, let's just go to Isaiah 48, 12. How many want to see another? Him and I have a few moments here. I'd love to encourage you with the word. Listen to me, Jacob, the God of the Bible, the I am of the Bible, Yahweh of the Bible speaking. Listen to me, Jacob, Israel, whom I've called. I am who? He. I am the first and the last. You see now how God uses it? See, when God gets your attention, he's going to say every now and then, I'm God. But then he's going to put something on that I am God statement to let you know how he is God. And why these other supposed gods, because anybody can speak and say they're God, he's going to show why these supposed gods are false, but he is true. He says, I'm the first and the last. My own hand laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summon them, they all stand up together. Verse 14, Come together, all of you, and listen. Which of the idols has foretold these things? Which one of your idols that got a big belly, looks like Buddha in the Chinese restaurant, you put that plate of food before, or one of these idols of you know Bacchus, Zeus, and, and Hercules, which one of them can tell you what's going to happen? The Lord's ally will carry out his purpose against Babylon. That's a specific word he's given them. His arm will be against the Babylonians. I, even I, have spoken Yes, I have called him. I will bring him, and he will succeed in his mission. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, going back to John chapter 13, verse 19, I'm telling you now before it happens about the one betraying him so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. That's important now to go forward with that. So he quotes that scripture even before. He says, someone's going to betray me who has eaten their bread with me. Then in verse 20, very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Now, this is where it becomes personal. Look at your neighbor and say, it's personal now. Because now you just went from reading a story about Jesus getting betrayed to now you're going to get betrayed. Now he made it to you. He made it personal to you. He said, this is how they treat me, and this is how they're going to treat you. But if they accept you on behalf of me, then you're going to be like me and be accepted. But if they reject you in other places, he says, then they're really rejecting me. And what we need to know right now is that the world will betray us. If Judas betrayed Jesus, people will betray us. They will not always accept what we have to say. I'm not talking about being a jerk or being mean to people. There's good reasons to walk away from relationships, abuse, people who don't value your time or respect you, those who treat you as uh, if you're not valuable. They need to be walked away from. You don't need to be around people who don't express respect, love, admiration. You don't want somebody who just tolerates you. You want somebody who appreciates you and accelerates you. Amen? 
And so Jesus is saying, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to be my representative, and those who accept what you're saying on my behalf, it's like they're accepting me. And that's where we have to get the understanding that in Christianity, if our divisions and betrayals with other people are happening, they're doing those things towards us, and it's because of the gospel, we need to understand this is not strange. This is something that Jesus has gone through himself. How many people have ever been betrayed here? Well, now you know Jesus understands you. Jesus gets you. Verse 21, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Somebody say troubled. See, Jesus was troubled. When people betray us, it won't feel good. When people hurt us and say nasty things about us, it will not feel good. Sometimes people act as if we as Christians, because we love everybody, we forgive everybody, which is true, that we won't feel the heartache. We won't feel the pain of betrayal. But that's not biblical. Jesus, God in the flesh, who is suffering like us, betrayal is now troubled by him. I don't know if he got a pit in his stomach. Anybody ever had a pit in their stomach when you know things are going wrong in life and you just you feel your nerves getting twisted up and you just you know mentally that something's not right? Maybe you, you begin to get your sleep schedule off or your diets off. I don't know how far this went in Jesus' spirit. He didn't sin, and the Bible doesn't say being troubled is a sin, but it says Jesus was troubled. Jesus felt something on the inside wasn't right. Today, uh, people call this the vibe check. You ever heard that, young people? No, I'm the only one trying to keep up with the young people here. You know, you got to pass the vibe check. You know, some people say they got good vibes, bad vibes. That's just really just a way to understand what's going on in the spirit. Some of you don't like that language because you know they're ripping off from us. I like to use it back to them because then it shows that they get it from us. Amen. Some of you are like, no, it's not, it's not a vibe, it's a spirit, get it right. Okay, you'll rebuke them, that's all right. But I'm just going to keep going with them. Okay, then what is your vibe like, you know? Let me get it right in Jesus' name. Let me help you. Let me help you get the right frequency here, okay? You're right, you get what I'm saying? Like, I use those things for the glory of God. I don't have a problem with it. Now, listen, when Jesus said, I am troubled, he didn't now say, I'm out of here. He didn't say, I'm done with you guys. I'm leaving, man. This is too much for me to handle. He's going to now move forward. And that's what we're going to have to learn when I get to the practicals of this, is that no matter how many things you put in your life to protect you from betrayal, betrayal still will happen. It will still sneak in. It doesn't matter how great the marriage is or how great your children are. If people do not want to be with you anymore, they will find a way to walk away from you, and if they can, to hurt you. I'm not saying, well, now just don't trust anybody and walk around with a chip on your shoulder. I'm just saying no one here should be in this church unaware that the closest people to you could become a betrayer. I mean, if I was to say to you, there is no possibility my wife would betray me or I wouldn't betray her or my children, then I would be living in, in, in a make-believe world. A lot of pastors have said, my wife will never betray, him, uh, betray me. And then all of a sudden, the pastor's having an affair with another woman in the church. It's happened. I know them. Are you listening to me? Now, I don't speak that over my life. I don't believe it. As far as I'm concerned, there will be no betrayal in our house in Jesus' name. But how dare I look at some of you who have already been betrayed and act like I'm better than you? Sometimes I talk to you guys, and you tell me your stories, and, and, you know, like a typical Christian, I try to look for the cracks in the foundation, what you did wrong, and how you could have maybe brought that upon yourself. How many know sometimes Christians were a little superstitious? But, but ultimately, sometimes I hear the story, and I go, you didn't do anything wrong. You loved that person. You treated that person well. You took care of that person, that child maybe in your life. You brought them to church. You didn't whoop them too much. You loved them. You brought them to Chuck E. Cheese, and they betrayed you. It happens. 
One of my closest friends, Pastor Troy, think of his son Jared in Raven Team. Son Jared has walked away from the Lord, has been away from the Lord for years. I always ask Troy, you sure you didn't do anything wrong? You sure you didn't do anything wrong? Anything in your heart? And he's like, man, I didn't do anything. I love that boy. And his wife's like, we loved him. And if you, and he says, if he was here, you could ask him. He would say, I loved, you know, I, my dad loved me. And I have to say, well, well, Jared made his decision. Jared, you need to come home in Jesus' name. You see, sometimes we're too super, uh, superstitious, and we think because a bad thing has happened, a betrayal has happened, that that means somebody did something wrong. That's not the way it always is. I don't always do counseling. Well, it's 50-50, 50-50. Let's find out the problem. Okay, you are 50% responsible. You are 50%. No, sometimes in the counseling, it's like, man, you're 100% responsible for this. This is your problem. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen. Jesus didn't deserve to be betrayed. Jesus didn't do anything to deserve that. Well, he didn't spend time with Judas. <laughs> Sometimes we hear that in the church. Oh, it's okay to betray your pastor, leader, disciple, because they don't spend enough time with you. That's not an excuse to betray somebody. Amen? Well, because you don't spend time with me, I'm going to leave and never spend time with you again. That sounds like a stupid thing to do. Are you all listening to me? If you really love that person, you would try to stay in their life. You wouldn't say, well, I quit and I'm done with your life. And that shows you really didn't love them. You were idolizing them in some way and wanted something from them that they couldn't give you. Maybe you needed to adjust your expectations in that relationship. I'm getting free. Anybody else? You see, when you keep it real, you can understand that sometimes people will just betray you. As the old saying goes, uh, Judas had the best pastor and yet he still left church. And that needs to be said because, you know what, life group leaders, you deal with people leaving you, and sometimes you wonder, well, did I not say hi to them enough, or did I not make myself available enough? And true, we can always grow. We're not always in sync with the Spirit doing things like Jesus in that way. I get it. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to say, I'm troubled, and it's not my fault, but I'm still going forward with Jesus. Amen? What really blows my mind is when somebody in the church gets hurt, and then they walk away not only from the church, but they walk away from Jesus. Stupid is as stupid does. Why in the world would you do that? That would be like some woman in this church hurting my feelings and then I leave my wife. <laughs> my wife would be like, what, what, does, what do I have to do with that woman? <laughs> my wife would look at me like, are you stupid? Why are you leaving me because of what this woman did to you? The bride of Christ, we belong to Jesus. If somebody in this church hurts you, stay with Jesus. Amen. Even if you have to find another church, I get it. We're not the only ones, but stay with Jesus. Although that church hurt me, and now I don't love Jesus anymore. That's stupid. Don't do it. Don't let the devil make a fool out of you. You know how much the devil can make fool out of people? Look at the book of Exodus and what happened with Pharaoh's army. He saw all those plagues come down. He even saw the death of his firstborn child. And then he saw that God of Israel open up the Red Sea and let those folks go through. And he was so stubborn and full of himself and pride that he ran into that place to go get them. The very one holding it back is the one that don't like you, dude. Why are you messing with him? Come on, somebody. That's what, fool, that's what sin will do to you. It will make a fool out of you. The devil will deceive you. I mean, you even look back at the book of Genesis. Cain and Abel. Abel gives a good offering to God. And then Cain doesn't. His gets rejected. And God literally tells him, this is how you do it. If you do it like this, I'll accept it. What's Cain's response? I'll just kill my brother then. Does that change anything? No, that only makes it worse. But that's what sin will do to you. Sin will make you think that more sinning is better. Well, now that I've sinned, I might as well get it all the way out before I have to get it right. Oh, well, you know, that's God's way, but let me try it my way. 
No, here's, here's the way it goes. When you love Jesus, you stick with Jesus no matter what happens. Relationships may come and go, but Jesus remains the same forever. If I were to ever betray you in this way, keep serving Jesus. Amen? If you ever see me on Belmont and Clark selling myself for $10 hits a crack to other men out there, just pray for me and you keep serving Jesus. Because this happened. Pastors that preach just like me turned to homosexual prostitution because they were hooked on drugs. You keep serving Jesus, amen? Come on over and say hi to me and say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. Don't be a customer and don't hate me, amen? <laughs> I know it's funny when you think of it like that. Don't be a customer, amen? Seriously, there was a woman, pastor's wife, became a all, a, what they call it, a, all fans? What's that? Uh, what's it called? Only fans. There we go. Became an only fans. Imagine now, I can see my pastor naked now. This woman did that, and she's boasting in it. Backsliders will always be backsliders. Like a dog eating its own vomit, a pig going back to the mug. You make a decision today, I'm sticking with Jesus. Amen? See, Jesus knew his, his spirit was troubled, and he knew who was going to betray him. So even sometimes we say to ourselves, man, if I only knew, if I only knew who was going to betray me, it wouldn't hurt so bad. It wouldn't hurt so bad. You know, God, why didn't you let me know that so-and-so was going to do me like this? Because then I would have, you know, kind of just gently like, you know, ghosted him for a little bit. I would have started moving away. I would have been prepared. Jesus even knew it from the very beginning. And yet he still allowed Judas to get close to him because he understood there was a purpose. I can't use every bit of my discernment to try to get you uh, to be, uh, I can't use my discernment to stop you from doing the things you have to do. In other words, there are people I discern in the church. This, this is probably not going to be the church for you. It's not going to go well. And you know what? I have to let them experience the church for themselves. Amen? I, I, they haven't sinned yet. They haven't done it yet. They haven't, they haven't confirmed my, my suspicions or my prophetic unction yet. But I owe it to them to make their own choices. Now, I'm not saying put up with people's junk, but what I'm saying is Jesus knew that there would be a time of grace for Judas, and he allowed him to do it. So even having this idea, well, if I knew the future, then I wouldn't be hurt so bad. No, Jesus knew the future, and it still hurt him. Now look at verse 22. His disciples stared at one another. How many know that you're going to do that? I mean, if he just said to you, one of you going to betray me, they're all looking at each other, you know. I mean, I've done this. Can I just be honest with you? Somebody say, confess to us, pastor. You know how it is. You go to a priest, dark closet, the pastor, and you confess to a pastor. But in this church, a pastor under the bright lights confesses to you. Amen? So somebody say, confess to us, pastor. Okay, I won't confess to you now under the bright lights. There's been a time or two I have lost things in my house when I had visitors over. And I have looked at them wondering, did they take my stuff? <laughs> Only to find out seriously that I had already hit it because I didn't trust them. <laughs> and I forgot where I hid it, like my wallet or my gun or something. And I'm looking all over for my wallet, and I'm like, where is it? Where is it? And I can't find it. And then I start looking around. I'm like, Daryl? Hey, Daryl, where you been in my house? Uh, it wasn't him, but you get the joke. <laughs> And then I go look around a little bit, look under my bed, which, you know, people hide stuff under there, which everybody knows to check there first. And I go, oh, that's right. I already hid my wallet because I knew I was having church people over. Y'all better pray for me. Y'all better pray for me. I'm telling you, pray for pastors. I'm confessing. Do you still love me? 
Do you still love me? I mean, I'm just being honest because that's how I feel sometimes. And feelings are fickle and they can deceive you. Y'all thinking that pastors always think the best, always pastors on point. It's not like that. We have to fight our flesh too. And some of the ones that I thought I had a prophetic word would only last two minutes in our church have been here 10 years. Good thing I didn't try to do that, that, you know, quandary, what they ask you in philosophy class. If you were able to go back in time, would you kill baby Hitler? That's the only time you get to meet Hitler is as a baby. That's it. You get to go back in time, 30 seconds, baby is just born. Do you kill Hitler? And the answer is no. Hitler's got to make those decisions. Because now if you kill people preemptively, you're killing them for what they didn't do, what they could potentially do. And everybody here has potential to be wicked or to be good in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we can't just kill based on that knowledge, and that's where we get from the Bible, is that God even knew, like, yes, Adam and Eve would fall, and then Judas would betray, and these things would happen, and he doesn't approve of the evil, and some people try to make that connection, but it's a, it's a fallacy to make the connection that if you allow, as God creator, evil to happen, that you approve of evil. No, because the Bible says that he will use that evil for good, and then punish those who do the evil. So even those of us who are innocent, who suffer under the hands of evil, it will turn for our good and how many trust Jesus? How many know there'll be some streets of, of gold up there to make, make up for everything you went through? Come on, somebody. There's going to be about a thousand years just to get over that one day in traffic. Come on. You'll, you'll be at the river of heaven about a millennium to get over some of the people in your life. And then you'll get up one day from that river in the spirit and you'll be like, okay, it worked for my good. I got something out of that now. Amen. Now look at the scripture. They're all looking at each other. And they're at a loss to know which one of them he meant. So even Judas had did a good job of betraying them. So Judas wasn't the obvious choice. A lot of times we tell the story of Samson, and we, uh, you know, in the movies, we make Samson out to be the rock or some bodybuilder. No, I always say like Samson would be like, like, like Spider-Man. What's the newest Spider-Man? Holland, Tom Holland. See, if you saw Tom Holland whooping the rock and everybody in UFC, would you, would you think that was a miracle? Of course. You'd be like, what happened here, you know? So if you see the rock beating up everybody that looks like the rock, you know, WWF, you don't see a miracle in that. The Bible says in, in the story of Samson, they didn't know where he got his power from. So, I mean, if he looked like he was massive, you know, Thanos or something like this from Marvel, I mean, if he looked like that, they would know where he got his strength from. Man, you're not natty, you're hitting the steroids, you know, those in the workout world, you know that. It's all about being natural right now. And, you know, it's like, man, you're not natty, you're not natural, you're on steroids. I mean, it would be obvious. So it's, it's Toby, it's Holland, you know, Tom Holland. That's, that's what the confusion brought in. And it's the same thing. Who's going to betray Jesus? They didn't just go look at Judas and go, man, you're the, you're the sketchiest sus person here. They didn't know who it was. So look around your church right now and guess who might be the next one to betray you? See, because you can't tell, can you? You can't. Some people who have betrayed me, I have looked at my wife for like 15 minutes and said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. They said, what on Facebook? Oh, no, they didn't. That one? That one who was as shy as a church mouse, that one getting crazy. I know, I'm not pointing at anybody. That one, y'all listening to me? Because anybody can betray you. At any moment, people can become vicious. Sometimes people say, well, you don't know that side to a woman till you marry her. I might give an amen, can I? Yeah, my wife's not here. I'll give an amen. I only knew that soft side of my wife. Woo, after honeymoon, I met another woman. Thank God she, that, that woman liked me, but she was a different kind of woman. <laughs> Come on, somebody. 
I never heard my wife yell until we got married. I'm just keeping it real. I never heard my wife bang around things in the kitchen until we got married. Are you listening? You see, sometimes I'm just telling you, you don't know people. People have potentiality that you don't know, and it may shock and surprise you. I know I've been shocked and surprised. I'm not saying that I haven't picked out some. There are some when you, you, you know, you know, okay, you, you're the one betraying me. I saw that one coming, okay? But there are others going, what? Really? And let me just say that's part of the confusion. That's part of the hurt. See, betrayal hurts. It's, it's hurting Jesus even though he knows. And certainly now it's hurting the disciples because it's confusing to them. Who among us would actually do this? Think about it. All of them had already gone out and did miracles in Jesus' name. So they already know his power. No rabbi had ever given them that kind of power. The Bible says he sent them out ahead of him. And they would go and cast out spirits. And they would heal the sick. They even came back rejoicing that the demons were submitting to them. Judas was right there. So they're confused. Like, how can this happen in this group? Oftentimes people say, well, you know, those who betray and behave like this, they display patterns. And that is true to some extent. There are patterns that betrayers will show. And, and if I'm counseling you, I'm going to look, I'm going to try to look for those patterns. But sometimes, my friends, and this is for spouses here, listen to me. Sometimes somebody can just betray you at the moment an opportunity is given. There's nothing even in their heart. Like literally, if you were to ask that husband the morning he got up before he committed that affair, are you going to take that woman out to a hotel, to your car, and do X, Y, and Z? He may pass a lie detector test and say, no, I'm not. But when the moment comes of availability, in that split second, a decision could be made. It's not always a pattern. Do I believe in the patterns? Absolutely. I think there are a lot of patterns to look for in sketchy people's lives. But what I'm saying is if all you're looking for is a pattern to figure people out, you're taking away what is ultimately the determinacy of human beings. And human beings can make a decision in one moment. In one moment, I can make a decision to walk away from God right now. And you may look back at my life and go, well, where, where's the pattern? Was he looking at porn? Did he get caught with an affair? Is he stealing money? And now they want to, to, you know, to pull him up on discipline, take away his job. So now he quits. No, it could just be in this moment, in my own mind, the availability to walk away from God is better to me than to stay with God. I don't know what was going on in Judas's heart. We hear a little bit about it in the scriptures that he was taking the money. And this is where I would say patterns do come to play. Because he is now a thief, a robber, and he can do those kinds of things, then he can also betray Jesus. That's why I say if you can't be trusted with your money in church, how can I trust you with the Sunday school ministry? That's why here we don't check your bank account to see if you're tithing. We just ask you before God, are you tithing? Because if you can't be trusted in your wallet, how can I trust your hands and where your eyes go and where your feet go? It's, it's, it's a pattern because Judas, when he couldn't be trusted with money, couldn't be trusted with Jesus' location. And so, brothers and sisters, I do want to make sure I tell you both, there are patterns, and, and I think there's probably something with Judas that we can see a pattern, but for the disciples and their understanding, there is no way to tell. They're confused. Who possibly could do such a thing? Verse 23, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. This is who we believe John, the author of this gospel. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. So now Peter knows that John is closer to Jesus, and he goes, hey, psst, ask him who he's talking about. Verse 25, leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? 
Now, I want you to notice the relationship that John has here. Put that in the King James. John chapter 12, verse 25. How many would feel comfortable laying in the bosom of another man? Especially men here. That's an awkward thing, right? We wouldn't feel comfortable with this. And oftentimes, we uh, confuse this with homosexuality. Some people, believe it or not, will even try to say that this is Jesus and John's love affair. And that John, if he was a minor, that he even went as far as pedophilia. God have mercy. Somebody say, God have mercy. Look at the scripture here, John chapter 13, verse 25. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Can I just help you real quick to understand that true brotherly love is lacking in our culture, and that's why many men are turning to homosexual love. I know that's what people don't want to hear don't want to hear that it can have a psychological root, but this, my brothers and sisters, is a true answer to what's going on inside of the heart of people. What this means is, is that men who have sexual confusion, and this can happen at any stage of life, specifically talking about men, women, it would be a different conversation, but I think it would apply, but men who are having sexual confusion, temptation, fleeting thoughts, will consider those thoughts more likely to be true if they have not laid upon the breast of their father and had a brotherly love with their dad. Homosexuals still come from broken homes. Are you listening to me? They may not want you to believe that. Somebody may say, well, I had a great relationship with my dad. I had great this, and I'm so homosexual. Okay, then I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about what the majority still statistically are dealing with in our culture. They don't know a platonic male relationship with their father, a father figure, or a brother, and therefore, when they feel sexual confusion, they feel the way to handle that is by having having an inappropriate relationship with that person of the same sex instead of having a mutual friendship and a deep filial love, which means brotherly love, with that person. And so I'm not saying, guys, let's go try it out today, but I want to give you an understanding of Jesus' culture. Men laid on each other's breasts, kissed each other on the lips. That was called a holy kiss. And they were not homosexual, and they looked at homosexuality like it was the worst thing you could possibly do. Why is that? Because they understood brotherly love. They understood bearing their soul one to another. That's why David said of Jonathan, I love him more than the love of a woman, because David had become a perverted man with women and had lost his touch with his sexuality and understanding what it would give him. He was trying to find purpose in that, but his love with Jonathan, he found a real purpose and a meaning. That should not be the confession of husbands here today. I love my boys more than I love you, baby. No, no, no. This ain't Brokeback Mountain in that kind of way. Are you listening? What you boys doing up there? We're hunting. Leave us alone. But you go up there all the time. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And that's what people try to do. Somebody say, keep it real. I don't know any other way but to keep it real. I'm telling you the honest truth. People, I mean, you can get the homosexual Bible. The homosexual Bible says David and Jonathan were having broke back mountain affairs. That's what they'll tell you. I'm not making this up to sound gross or to be a shock jock. I'm preparing you for CNN. When you hear the interview of the gay pastor, well, where do you see that in the Bible? And they point to David and Jonathan. It's because they don't understand relationships. But watch this. But watch this real quick here. The betrayer probably laid his head there too a time or two. In other words, you can betray the people you love the most. 
I would not discount Judas's love for Jesus, in other words. I wouldn't say, like, Judas is always the weird one in the corner, never hanging out, always being to himself. No, Judas might have been close to Jesus like that, too. If it would have been another day, Judas might have been laying there and chilling. You see, you can't be afraid to let your guard down and be in people's lives. See, Jesus allowed people to be close to him, even people that would hurt him. When Judas kisses him, that wasn't the first time he kissed him. That wasn't just, now this is a betrayer's kiss. No, no, that is a betrayer's kiss because of the context, but he had been kissing him the whole time. Put up there a holy kiss from Wikipedia, show how it's been depicted. And you'll still see this in Middle Eastern countries. I know it sounds gross, and I'm not doing it with any of y'all, so don't come up and ask me. (laughs) Pastor, I love you. And you've been talking about men laying on other men's breasts and holy kisses. And yet it can be platonic. Can we try that? No, we're not doing that. That's not our culture. I'm trying to help you understand this culture. Amen? What I will do is I will dap you. And I mean this because sometimes men, and I say this all the time, and sometimes people think I'm goofing around with homosexuality, and I'm not. But sometimes I'll hug a man, and the wife will be right there, and I say, your man just needed another man to hug him. Now, of course, I say it all weird like that, and it makes them think I'm trying to do the homosexual joke with them or something, but I'm not. What I'm being, I'm being real. Sometimes you need another man to hug you, men. You need a man's hug because a woman's gentle, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes you need a dap, bring it in. Boom, boom, boom. Come on, some. I almost want to do it right now. Seriously, I'm teaching my kids how to do this. Listen, this is not RuPaul's depiction of a holy kiss. This is history's depiction of a holy kiss. That's how they did it. When Judas kisses Jesus, it's nothing new. Jesus is not like, what are you doing? You've never done that before. No, no, no. It's like, hey, friend, how you doing? On the lips, man to man. And then, and then Judas says, the one I kiss, that's the one that you want to arrest. And that just shows you right there that Jesus didn't try to stand out among the crowd either. He wasn't dressed differently. He didn't act differently. Even at that time, the majority of people, if they weren't following Jesus, wouldn't have picked him out in the crowd. Now, going back to the context, you see, Peter says, John, hey, man, I see you're close to Jesus right now. Ask him which one of us who have been this close, ask him which one of us have kissed him before, have laid next to him as we're chilling. Ask ask that one that's there right now which one of us is it. Now watch what he says. It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping a piece of the bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. There it is. Now you know. You wouldn't have known before. And yet Jesus was kind to this man, loving to this man, and when he came to kiss him, he didn't slap him. How many know if you knew at that point, you already know what's happening, it's going down. No, you ain't kissing me. What are you thinking? Come on. Let's just be honest. Even if you're down with kissing in that culture, even if that's normal to you, it ain't normal now, dude. Why are you doing this? Slap him. Hey, man, look, don't you try it right now. I see what's going on, and I'm not down with this. I'm I'm not down with this, you know. But Jesus lets this man walk right up. Hi, master. This is the one. You see, he calls him friend even as you look at the other gospels. Come and do what you got to do, friend. Let's him kiss him. Why? Because Jesus is the lover of our souls. Jesus could see past Judas and see Satan. You see, he understood it was Satan using him. As soon as Judas took that bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus told him what you're about ready to do, do it quickly. 
You see what I'm saying today, friends? You got to look past even your betrayers and see the Satan that's behind them. Because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You can still kiss that child and love that child even if they betrayed you. You can still kiss that friend and hug that friend even if they betrayed you. You don't approve of that behavior. You're not saying there won't be consequences. But what you're able to do is see past the flesh and the things they did and will be held accountable. But you're seeing the enemy of everybody's souls who's behind the scenes using them as a puppet. Yes, people will go to the same hell the devil will go to. Trust me, I'm not saying abusers get off. If they don't repent, they will go to that hell. But even our abusers, we have to give the kiss of friendship in this sense, not of close proximity. Don't go close to your abuser. But listen, we have to give them the kiss of friendship in the sense of saying, if God can kiss me and be my friend, even though I've betrayed him a hundred times, and even if God can forgive me, I need to forgive you. I have to forgive my enemy. I have to love those who use me and abuse me. Now, that doesn't mean I bring them back into my house because sometimes uh, abusers will get slick on this and say, well, God said to forgive me and kiss me and let me get back. No, 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 no. You go into jail and that's where you're going to be. But I will give you the kiss of peace. I will give you the kiss of my love as I pray for you. I will do everything I can to help you, even if that means give you distance, because if you're using me and manipulating me, I'll give you the gift of goodbye. Sometimes you got to give that Christmas gift, amen? Anybody ever give somebody the gift of goodbye? Sometimes you got to do it because that's for their good, so don't let anybody manipulate you. I'm not saying any of that garbage here, but what I'm saying for your soul's sake is you have to release them, and that's why Jesus let them kiss them. That's why Jesus let him do those things is because Jesus' soul, even though it's troubled, Jesus knows that this man is possessed by Satan, and he doesn't want him to hang himself. He doesn't want him to go down that road. So, but no one, now notice this. We know in the story, and so does John who's telling us the story, but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. They still didn't even get it. Now, I'm not saying they're, they're slow, but maybe they are half kid here. But I just, here's what I just think. I think it was just between Peter and John, and it was so shocking to them that they didn't even get it at first. And so everybody's like, could, could that really be what just happened? Uh, uh, John, is that what he said? Because I couldn't hear him. Yeah, that's what I thought he said. And then he gave it to Judas, and they told Judas to roll out. But yeah, but Judas, but Judas is in charge of money. Maybe he went to go buy something. No, 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 I think he went to go betray him. I mean, they were confused, the Bible says. And this is what I want to say once again, is that betrayer, uh, be, uh, betrayal is always confusing. You can't figure it out. You can't untie the knots. How many have ever tried to untie the knots of a betrayal situation and almost got, it just got worse? I've tried to. I've showed up on their Facebook and say, why are you saying this? And then it makes it worse. I've tried to set up meetings with them, and then they don't want the meetings. And then when I don't set up the meetings, they say they want the meetings. And the whole thing is confusing. Are you listening to me? And then they say it's about this person. Then I get that person to apologize to them. But then they're still angry. And I'm like, well, why are you angry? Well, I don't know, but I still need to be, be angry. Well, they apologize. You know, it's just confusion. And that's what's happening here. It's just confusion. No one wants to know the truth. Which is one of us is betraying Jesus. They're wrong. It's just, it's that that's simple. There's a Judas betraying Jesus. Sometimes you just got to say it like that. Well, why did this person do it? Maybe it was because of the life group. Maybe it was because they had a, a bad day or maybe because they had daddy issues. Or, no, no, no. This person, they just betrayed Jesus. I can't give you 101 explanations for it. I can't, I can't try to explain it to you. It's just, here's what I know. This one's betraying Jesus right now, and Satan's a part of him. Is anybody getting blessed here today? 
Because we're all going to be betrayed in life. Our stomachs are all going to get twisted up in knots. And we're going to try to figure it out. And you just can't. You just have to say, it's the devil at work. And while the devil's working, I know that God's working on my behalf as well. Amen. That God's got my back. And I can't, I can't change them. I can't untie every knot. But I know Jesus is in control. Amen. Praise God. So they didn't understand. Since Jesus, Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what he needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. Verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Can I hear an amen once again? Would you put up that slide for me, my brother, as uh, Lawrence comes back, please? I want to give you some practical things today. Somebody say, make it practical. Amen. Six ways to handle betrayal like a Christian. This will be on my personal Facebook page. Uh, if you're not following that yet, go and check it out. These are six things that you and I can do when we find ourselves in these circumstances. Number one, rejoice because you are like Jesus and the prophets. The Bible says in Matthew, rejoice when they say evil against you. Rejoice, not because of the evil, but rejoice because you're sharing with what others have suffered. You're not the only one, brother or sister, to suffer, to be abandoned by moms and dads, or to be hurt by those you trusted. Rejoice not in the betrayal. Uh, rejoice not in the abuse. That is why there's a hell. There was a, um, a woman leader in our Bible college that I used to work for. And she was married to what I thought was an amazing young man. And they had a great marriage. And I liked him. He actually came on my boat one time. We were hanging out. Man, he was great. I loved him. And then all of a sudden I heard that he had had an affair with one of the students in their Bible college cohort. And there was only one word that I had for that sister, and that was, sister, that's why there's a hell. I just had to remind her, that's why there's a hell. People will do that. That's how people are. She never would have saw it coming. I'm telling you, as crazy as it would be for me to, to cheat on my wife is how crazy it was for that dude. It's just you wouldn't see it coming. Like I said, there are red flags, and do not ignore red flags. But sometimes people just hop, skip, and a jump before you can catch up, and they just betray. But here's the first thing you need to do. Rejoice in Jesus, and I don't mean this in a way that makes you more proud, but in a way that makes you humble. Rejoice in Jesus. You're going to heaven. Just rejoice. Like, I love Jesus. Jesus, I love you. And whatever now wicked thing is happening here, this is not going to stop me from loving you. I rejoice in you today. I'm alive. I'm saved. I have a relationship with you. Do you see how you're twisting around bitterness to become better in Jesus' name? You're not saying it's okay. You're not giving approval to it. You're not rejoicing because it's a happy moment in, this, in the sense of what they did. You're rejoicing because you're with Jesus. You're reminded in that moment what is most important. As they say, you know, in these self-help classes, you're grounding yourself. Well, without God, you have no ground to stand on. Amen? But we as Christians, we need to ground ourselves the moment we see the world around us unraveling. I'll never forget the first time one of my close friends had an affair. I wasn't uh, around when it happened immediately, but I was there in the aftermath, and he held it from me. I had come to preach for him, and he picked me up with his intern, a female, in the car. And we as preachers know that you don't drive around with females by yourself. I mean, in a rare circumstance, if you have to give somebody a ride, you get somebody on the phone, hey, I'm taking so-and-so home, keep us accountable. You know, you're, you're careful. This dude was just nonchalantly driving around with his intern. Well, comes to find, come to find out he was having an affair with her and had no remorse. But I'll never forget how it made me feel. I was at Jerry and Tony's wedding in Arizona, brother, and I had literally 
just left your reception, which was to me one of the best receptions I've ever been to in a wedding. And I am like on a high, man. I'm like just happy, loving life. And I got the information. And instead of praising God, I instantly let the trouble overwhelm me. Well, why didn't I say anything? Why didn't I do anything? What, what, what could I have done differently? And then all of a sudden, the devil took advantage of that because he saw me spiraling about what I could have did to help my friend. Then it started coming towards me. Well, what if you do it? Because if he did, what if you do it? What if you lose your ministry? What if you lose your family? What if you lose your kids? Like my whole mind just started freaking out because you know what my first response should have been? Well, God is good. God is good. I know it sounds counterproductive. It almost sounds like you're being silly. But I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, in the moment of your betrayal, to take a moment and give God a shout of praise like we just did right here. To, to ground yourself into the Word of God and say, all right, every day is a good day with Jesus. We're going to take this on. I rejoice in you, Lord, that your grace is with me, your mercy is with me, and that I'm able to handle this. And brothers and sisters, I mean... I'm telling you of my situations, it's nothing compared to what people have suffered in the world, even some of you here, and everyone who will tell you who has gone through it with Jesus. They learned how to worship Jesus in the midst of their valley. Those who, who are persecuted and have suffered in some of the worst conditions found a way to, to find their joy in Jesus. Number two, forgive them because you have been forgiven. Always remember this, and I hope I've accented it enough here and that no one ever thinks I support abuse. When I say forgiveness, I am not saying approval. Everybody say this with me. When pastor says forgive, he does not mean approve. Amen. Now everyone's a witness to that. I do not mean approve. I have had to say to some of our people in the church, you're probably going to go to jail over what you confessed. We do not keep secrets here. I will report that. But here's what I'll do for you. I'll help you, I'll visit you, and I'll make sure that you in jail will know Jesus because you're not promised tomorrow. And some of the ones who love and trust us, who have made those confessions, have served their time for their crime and have come out. Amen? And then we keep an eye on them. Can I hear an amen? Some people have said, because we've had people who have abused children come to this church, and that's okay because we want them to get saved. How many know child abusers need to get saved? But our rule is you'll never be alone in this church ever, ever. And you will not go to home Bible studies, ever. So you can have Bible study time in the church, and you can be in the public setting. But you will never be alone with anyone in this church or in a home in this church in a Bible study setting. Of course, you can come to homes, but we will not do that because we're not going to have to keep an eye on you and children. And that is the kind of sin we will not take a chance with. Can I hear an amen? And guess what? Some of them leave. And then they say, we don't love, we don't forgive. And I just say, then find another church that does it better than us. This is just what we do here. So I want to be very clear with you. I do not approve of any kind of abuse when I say forgive. There will be, listen to me, brothers and sisters, put the fear of God in you. Sometimes I have a, one time I had a sweet sister come up to me after I preached a message like this and going, will you report me to La Migra? And I'm like, no, sister. No, we ain't doing that. Okay, so you'll still love me and pray for me? Yes, yes, we love you here. Immigration and those laws are different than the moral laws of the Bible. Can I hear an amen? You confess to me you're breaking a law of the land that has to do with morality, robbing, stealing, killing. We're reporting you. That's what it is. Sometimes they say they do with these priests and they don't report it. We're not those. We're not those here. Amen. But listen, I still have to forgive the abuser. You have to forgive the abuser. What forgiveness is, is letting go. It doesn't seem in our natural mind that it will work that way, but it's actually the way your soul was made. Holding on to the pain 
is a trap to keep you into bitterness. As the old saying goes, drinking the poison, wishing the other person would be harmed. That is bitterness. It's an evil mind. Justice and bitterness have a fine line between them, and that is the truth of God. You and I can desire justice for every wrong that's been done and pray for it to come. Absolutely. I pray for justice to come to every abused victim, to every person hurt, to every divorce that was instigated by betrayal. Okay, we pray for justice in every circumstance. And yet, we can forgive and not be bitter. Amen? I have to teach it clearly like that in our culture because there are so many people that are confused over this and I see it tormenting them. And so I take my time to share this with you. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus wanted the best for Judas. Jesus let Judas be at that table with him. But when it was time to let him go, Jesus let him go. But Jesus still loved him and did not want anything to be held against him. And if Judas would have lived long enough, he would have heard Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do. He would have heard his master say that. But now listen, all of that love is true. But the day that man took his life, he got sentenced to hell by that same Jesus. There are consequences, and so I just want to speak that clearly. Number three. Love and desire the best from them, even if they need strong consequences. I'm not saying every marriage needs to be restored. There are some that can be and should be. I'm not saying that every wayward teenager needs to be brought back home, but there's some that needs to be. You need to pray about how to bring relationships back into your life. Friends, parents, children. You need to love and desire the best for them, even if consequences still remain. I love my sister, but she has come around drunk to my kids one too many times. And you know how many times that was? One, and it was one too many. Are you listening to me? She cannot come around my children unless my mother is there or my wife will be there close to her to inspect her to make sure she's okay. Because I'm not always around the house. Y'all listening to me? When she comes around, she loves my kids. She wants to be the auntie. She acts like, why isn't she there all the time? She knows why she's not there all the time. Because you will not hide vodka in your mug and be around my children. I will keep you accountable to a certain standard. But here's the thing. Almost with tears in my eyes right now. There's probably not one day that I don't pray for her. And desire her salvation. And to see her come and sit in a chair right next to you. And to live for Jesus. You understand my heart with that. Okay? And that is for everybody. Let me just say this clearly because sometimes you wonder, Pastor... How do you deal with everybody betraying you in the church? You know, maybe two or three a year come in my life. You know what I do? I just do this. I love them. I desire the best for them. If they walk, any one of them walk through this door, I want you to hear my heart. I would hug and embrace every single one of them. But for some of them, there would be consequences. Hey, man, you want to come back to the church? Well, we're going to have you go through some discipline. We're going to make sure whatever happened don't happen again. Well, I thought you forgive me. Well, I did. And this is how we move forward. How many know parents, you forgive your children when they act crazy? I mean, oh, there's some consequences after that. Hey, I, you know, like sometimes my children will confess stuff to me, and I'm like, I'm glad you told me that, but you don't get the pad now. But I told you, but listen, you, I get it. That was a good thing, but you still get, you, you get a consequence. You can't think to yourself, just because I confessed it, now I'm off the hook. There are consequences. And here's the thing, consequences. And sometimes people think, well, that's not the way God is. Oh, that's exactly the way God is. Even though sinners get to go to heaven, 
Like the man, the thief on the cross, get to go to heaven, there are consequences for him wasting his life. He's not going to have many rewards up there. Have you gone to church more than one day? Yes or no? Do you got more rewards than him? There's going to be a consequence for him in eternity. He wasted his life being a thief. Yes, he's in heaven now, but he doesn't get eternal rewards. And on judgment day, he's going to see like, man, God is good and merciful, but I should have did these things. And the Bible says that tears will have to be wiped away even from Christians. Tears being wiped away is not just from sinners saying, I wish I could go to heaven. It's also going to be for us looking at how we wasted a lot of our lives. There's a day of reckoning even for Christians on judgment day. Some of y'all think when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, I'm here, I'm here, I made it. And then all of a sudden, you're going to realize you got a quiz. you got a judge to go in front of. Oh, really, i got to go in front of him now? Oh, yeah, he's going to talk about your whole life. Well, I thought everything was forgiven. Yeah, your sins are. But what did you do in life? Waste your time? Not read your word? Do all that? God's going to show you what it looks like, and it's going to be burned up. The illustration that we give is that our life will be a pile of, of things in front of us, and then God is going to test it by his fire. And he said for a lot of people, it's all going to get burned up, and only a little bit will remain. They will see that. Christians will see that on Judgment Day. So brothers and sisters, don't think that forgiveness and loving and caring for people just means now everything is the same going forward without there being consequences. Number four. Pray for them to experience God's mercy. That's why I thought my brother Juan's word was so good. He said some of the greatest things you can say to God is, God, have mercy. You need to pray for God's mercy on them. God, give them another chance to repent. God, give them another opportunity. Okay? Now, somebody might be praying for you today because you might have betrayed them. And then what do you do? Pray for God's mercy. God, forgive me. I didn't end that relationship right. I didn't treat that person right. And then watch what God will do in your life. Next, correct their bad behavior with the Word of God. How many know if you love somebody, you're going to teach them the Word of God? See, if somebody betrayed you and sinned against you, don't they need to learn how not to do that again? You have to teach them the Word of God. I'm looking at some of you right now. Are you disappointed this is not Oprah's way to handle betrayal? (laughs) How many are like, man, I hope I don't betray him. I'm going to get rebuked. I'm going to get taught. I'm going to have consequences. No, but listen, my friends, this is real life. I'm not giving you just love them, forgive them, and plant a flower in their name and water it every day and watch it grow. I'm not telling you something corny like that. I'm telling you the real deal. I almost want baby mamas to raise their hand and estranged men to raise their hand from their wives because I would want you to hear this. Every person here that's ever had a child with another man or you're estranged from your wife or you're any of these things, listen to me. You have to learn how to pray for God's mercy on their life, and when you get around them, you got to learn how to teach them. Well, my ex-husband doesn't want to hear anything. Well, you got to try. Well, I've already tried. Okay, then go back to the prayer part. And then wait for an open door. Are you all listening? You just don't say, well, they betrayed me. The relationship's over. I don't care about it. If you have an opportunity, go do it. That's why when people come to us from other churches and they're hurt by them, what do you think I do? Well, I say to them, write a letter. Go meet with them. Go talk with them. Meet with the leaders, even if you can't meet with the senior leader. Work it through until everybody can come to peace. How are we going to judge the the world, the Bible says, even angels, when we can't even judge among ourselves? I've had people who have betrayed me threaten a lawsuit on me. How in the world, the Bible says, why are you suing one another? How are you thinking you're going to ever become a judge, a, a priest, a king in the kingdom to come? So teach them the word of God. And then lastly, restore them if they repent and desire to live holy. The worst person, and I've tried to make it the most extreme, if someone has abused you as a family member, imagine if they got saved and they're in jail, right? 
and you did Bible studies with them and helped them until they went to the electric chair. Wouldn't that be amazing that you could have peace and know that they fell in love with Jesus? I heard Jeffrey Dahmer got saved in prison. I'm still glad that he's not here with us on this earth. There has to be consequences because if people think they can just say they're sorry after doing those hideous things, the world will look like what it does today. There's no fear of the land. There's no fear of judges, etc. So I believe like how the priest used to walk with people down the road, you know, and say, hey, are you, you ready to meet your maker? I believe we have to do that. Okay, now, that was the most extreme. Everybody else, if I can imagine that as a Christian, don't you think I can imagine for everybody else in your life to be restored to a Bible study? I was talking to my wife's long-term boyfriend one day, and that was a fun conversation. You ever talked to any of your spouse's boyfriends or girlfriends before? It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church. And I was inviting him to church, and my wife was like, that would be weird. And I'm like, no, it wouldn't. He needs Jesus, and he's a Christian, you know, but he was not happy at the church or whatever. But I'm like, why would that matter? I don't think you're going to cheat on me. I'm not saying you guys are going to become best friends, go out and do hobbies together. Once again, look at red flags. But, but in my mind, why would that matter? He's a soul. He, he needs Jesus. Come sit right here, right? Your heart for people to know and love God has to be greater than the pain that they've done to you. So no matter where they are on the extreme level of betrayal, you still have to love them as Jesus loved Judas and desire the best for them. And we'll help you to do that this year. Amen? Would you stand up with me? Give it up for Jesus today. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I praise you for every circumstance that I go through because I don't go through it alone. I go through it with you. And, oh, God, no matter how bad it gets, you're still, hallelujah, my everything. You're still the lover of my soul. You are still, oh, God, the good shepherd, my healer, my provider. You are still my banner of victory. You're my righteousness, oh, God. In the name of Jesus, would you bow your head and pray with me now? If you don't know Jesus yet, ask him to forgive you of sins. Many sins you've committed, I'm sure, are betrayal sins. You've known better, but you didn't do it. Ask the Lord to forgive you now. Father, forgive us, for we have sinned. Forgive us, Father. Send Jesus to bring forgiveness. If you need to ask for forgiveness, just say, forgive me, Father, in the name of Jesus. List out those sins. If you're a Christian and you've been backsliding, ask the Lord to forgive you of those sins. Just as if you were getting saved, do it now. Lord, forgive me. I I knew better. I shouldn't have. Maybe some of you have betrayed others, and you're the one that they're praying about somewhere else at another church today. Ask the Lord to show you if you've betrayed anybody or backbit or became bitter. Abandoned altar workers, would you come? And everyone now, would you raise your hands with me and say, Jesus, I trust you. With that, that is most precious to me, my life. Come on, somebody say, I trust you, Jesus with my life. Help me to forgive my enemies. Help me to forgive those who betray me. And Lord, help me to stay strong throughout my days. Amen. I want to guard my heart, Jesus. I want to guard my heart, Lord. If anyone here has ever been hurt by somebody in life and you're still healing through it right now, raise up your hands. Lord, I pray for healing right now to come over broken relationships right now. You don't have to plan out the whole restoration part yet, but just think of how you can be, for, uh, be healed right now as you forgive. Forgive right now. Say, I forgive them in Jesus' name. Father, heal broken hearts. Restore lives. Draw us closer to you so we may know and love you. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can you bless the Lord today, saints? God bless you.